Hey everyone, it's me, Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. I'm here at Hungryland. Today we have another special success story podcast. I think this one is really going to inspire you. I am very excited. Today I am going to be speaking with Dana Miller. She is not only a good friend, but she is also a WW coach. We originally met in New Jersey many years ago when she brought over a hundred of her members to one of my book signings and I fell in love with Dana. She is so genuine and she is so inspirational that I thought she would be perfect to have on as a success story. She herself has lost over a hundred pounds and she went from being a completely inactive person to a person that walks almost eight miles a day. So she is going to inspire you, I promise. So let's jump right in. So Dana, tell me a little about your weight loss journey. I mean, I, when I met you, you look like you've been a thin person your entire life, honestly. So I had a hard time believing you even had lost weight. Yeah, over the years, people have been surprised. Um, I actually was battling weight from late teens after high school. My weight issue started probably my late teens, um, early 20s. It got rough. I had had a really terrible car accident when I was 13, and I was in and out of the hospital with surgeries, and I wasn't able to take gym class or be active. And then a few years later, I had another terrible car accident. I was passenger in a vehicle that was hit by a semi, and I had my back operated on and other surgeries. And again, lack of activity, um, feeling sad and medicating with food created um, a, a pretty rough weight problem. And um, it wasn't until 2002 when I joined what used to be called Weight Watchers, now is WW, that I was able to get a grip on this. So you started um, sort of not being able to move around. You had a few accidents as a young teen. So as a, a an adult, were you in your 30s at the time when you said, this is it, I'm, I have to take control? Yeah, I was 32 years old and I was having trouble with my mobility. And it was really scary that I was having a tough time even just standing with my um, with my extra weight. It just was so painful. So was that your aha moment? Were you just feeling so unbearably uncomfortable that you said, I've got to do this? You know, I, I'd like to say that it was, but I think that I actually started my weight loss journey for the wrong reasons. Um, you know, I, I joined to help someone else who was at least as heavy as I was. I was scared. I really didn't know what to expect. I had never walked in the doors of a place like that before. And um, I have to tell you that very, very first meeting all those years ago, I'm so grateful for it because it really did save my life. And how did you work up the courage to go into that meeting? Only because my friend needed me. I honestly don't know where I would be today if she hadn't asked me to go with her. So you were going at, you know, for moral support, not even thinking about yourself. And then was there um, a leader in that meeting that inspired you that said, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to do this too? It was really the people, the people who were there. I was trying not to be skeptical. And there were women celebrating um, tremendous weight losses that I, I could have only dreamt of at that time. And I told my friend that it was January and they put people like that in these places, kind of like shills to suck the rest <laughs> of us in. And I will tell you, by the end of that first meeting, I was a believer. Um, we left and we went grocery shopping and I, I felt like I had a plan that I could live with. And that was that was over 17 years ago. Wow. I mean, I, I, you know, studies show all the time people really work well um, and lose weight when they have friends and they're in a community. And those meetings really are just that. So absolutely. How much weight did you lose and how long did it take you to lose that weight? 
So the first year, that was that was the biggie, right? I reached I reached goal, and um, I lost over ninety pounds in the first year. Then over the years, the program evolved and changed many times. And um, about a year later, I lost a few more. And then this most recent program that we have was actually the program that pushed me to a weight loss total of over 100 pounds. Amazing. That's incredible. And so when you lost 90 pounds, was uh, WW or Weight Watchers at the time, was that just the traditional point system? It was. And did you feel that you had any tricks that you employed? Like what were the biggest changes that you made to your diet in general? I know that when you count points, at least for me, once you realize how many points something has, you say, you know what? I don't really need this. It's like a little bit of a bank account. So what things were you eating that you said no more? Oh my goodness. I was a person who would start my day eating a box of uh, anything tasty cake and um, maybe a plate full of hot wings. I had terrible eating habits. And it was really scary because my my sons were very young and I was teaching them awful habits. I'm grateful today that at 25 and 27, they're actually the first generation of my mother's entire family to not have a weight problem. And I, I really believe I owe that to WW and the things that I've learned over the last, you know, now it's over 17 and a half years. Amazing. Since I walked in the door. That's just, yeah. that's incredible. So what did you replace those things with? I mean, uh, what did you have? What was a typical day of eating like for you? So I know this, it's going to sound silly, but when I was starting out on my journey, so were you. So I picked up on Hungry Girl stuff very, very early on. And, um, you know, a lot of the, the little recipes and things for desserts were lifesavers for me, really just taking that box of cake mix and mixing it with pumpkin or back then a can of diet soda. I did all those things to still be able to have the, the sweetness and the treats that I enjoyed without eating the entire cake. Exactly. Well, um, so and you, portion control is huge. So you replaced your tasty cakes with the yum yum brownie muffins and you replaced the entire box with one. One at a time anyway. <laughs> one at a time. Good. What were some things that you refused to give up? Like, it, it, did you say, hey, I, this is worth it for me. I'm going to keep this in my life. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I, d- I never gave up pizza or French fries. But did you eat the real thing or were you were you swapping it up? Both. I think that I became um, a master at making really low point English muffin pizzas that were great. But if I wanted real pizza, I had that, too. And the same thing with French fries. You know, you learn how to bake them in the oven. Today we have air fryers. We can make them just as crispy as deep fried French fries. But I, I still sometimes want the real thing. I will tell you, though, after all these years of having a predominantly healthy whole food diet, if I do kind of sway, I do pay quite a price for that. I get very, very sick very easily. Oh, well, that is incentive enough. Like if you don't feel well, that'll stop you from eating something. But it's Agreed. funny, I am, I am such a French fry junkie as well. Like I've tried to turn every vegetable under the sun and even some fruits into French fries. And a lot of them work. Yeah, I, I believe that carrots are a great swap. The, perfect. They're the best. Um, so did at any point... Losing 90 pounds is like a huge amount of weight. Did you ever plateau? Because I hear all the time people are saying, I'm doing great. I've lost 30 pounds. I have 30 or 40 more to go, but I've plateaued. Did you experience that? And how did you overcome that if you did? So the strange thing is I didn't. I never experienced a plateau losing the weight. I was so routinized. And I think that was a big piece of this is I found what worked. And I always reminded myself, if it's working, why change it? The only thing that I needed to do as I was feeling better was increase my activity level. And I believe that played a role in not plateauing. 
And so what, what type of activity? Like, were you like at the gym all the time or just easy peasy walks with friends, hikes? I'm a walker, but I'm a fast walker and I'm not a tall person. So tall people are amazed how fast I can walk. Um, but, um, that is, that was a big deal. I, Got a Fitbit many, many years later when they came out, and that helped me stay active. I actually am probably one of the only people still using a Fitbit one. Me too. I knew get we were friends here. for a reason. I have a flex on my arm right now, and I will never, I will never get rid of it. Version one. I have my one clipped to my bra. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a housewalker extraordinaire. Thank you. <laughs> me too. So how many steps would you say you get a day? Um, I'm averaging right now between 18 and 19,000. Awesome. See, that's really helpful. And do you pay attention to your active minutes in addition to your steps? I do. And do you have a goal for active minutes for the day? Never less than 30, but I like 120. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. 30 is my lowest, but I I try to go for 60 if I can at least. So I'm not even embarrassed by any of this cuckoo-ness because my husband and I were at the movies the other night and we were the only people in the theater and I didn't reach my step goal. I had no problem running in place and walking up and down the aisle during the movie. The movie to start. They let you stay. <laughs> they didn't kick yeah, you Nobody out. was there. It was just the two of us. That's really funny. Um, so for anyone starting out who is sort of afraid to take that first step, what advice would you give somebody? What would you say to them to really inspire them to just go for it? You know, I think the biggest problem with weight loss, and I really mean this, is that so many people put their lives on hold until they lose weight. And people think that they'll be happy once they lose the weight. My philosophy from day one with this is that it's actually the reverse. If you figure out what makes you happy, and I don't mean food. I have um, a real bone of contention with people talking about how much they love food. Anybody who knows me knows that I'll stop a conversation if someone starts talking about how much they love food. I say reserve an emotion like that for something that can love you back. Um, But food is important. And I think that people are petrified of what they have to give up. And they don't think about really what they're going to get back from modifying the relationship to something healthy. I think people are scared of what could change in their lives if they're successful. And fear is really what holds people back. And there's a great acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing real. We scare ourselves out of the life we want to live. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be 50 in September. I am younger at nearly 50 than I was in my 20s. And that's because of learning about points, which helped me learn about my relationship with food. And then the modern philosophy in the WW workshops, we talk a lot about um, mindset and feelings. And that I think is the really hard part is to admit what's making us unhappy. Is it really the weight or is there something else that's creating that and the food is just a crutch? Mm-hmm. I mean, we talk all the time about emotional eating and it's such a big part of what, you know, people struggle with. And you said so many inspirational and true things. I mean, for you to just be so aware of that and to be able to verbalize that, I mean, that's part of what makes you such an incredible leader. So can you tell me a little bit about how you started when you decided that you weren't only going to be a WW member, but that you really wanted to work for them and inspire others and lead meetings. So now we're called coaches and guides. We have, you know, modern terminology for this so that it, it doesn't feel like a diet. We're really encouraging people to live their, their best lives, incorporating a healthy lifestyle. There are three pillars to this program. We talk about food, activity, and mindset, and they're really equally balanced for most people. But for me, you know, back then I was an emotional wreck. I, I still cry very easily, but anytime I spoke in a workshop, I would, I would cry immediately because 
when you're carrying so much weight, there are so many different kinds of pain that you feel. It's very, very hard to talk about that, not just to people you know, but certainly in a room full of strangers. I did not know that I wanted to work for WW. I was approached by um, the person who was a territory manager at the time. I, the, uh, the person who was at that time when we would say leading the meeting uh, asked me some questions and her boss approached me afterwards and invited me to come on staff. And at first I was, um, I, I really didn't think I was capable of helping someone else because I was really just learning how to help myself. But she convinced me that it was really a good thing to do. Um, I actually spent the first three years of my career with WW working at the desk because I did not think that I had the ability to speak <laughs> in front of other people. Um, here I am, like I said, seven, more than 17 years later, and it turned out not to be true. So I'm grateful that my peers did push me into this position. Dana, but I I, I, like, I'm gonna, I, have to br- I have to break in because, you know, I've gone on 13 book tours and I yeah. have been all around the country and I have met dozens and dozens and dozens of coaches from WW. And you are without a doubt the one that gets, I've never seen anything like it. You had the most loyal, um, people just are obsessed with you and you have inspired so many people. You're amazing. And it's, it's almost impossible for me to believe that you didn't feel that you were going to be capable of doing that because it's so, you're such a natural at it. I think that's, that's just part of the whole syndrome with having not great self-esteem. You just needed somebody else to tell you you could do it and then you took it and ran with it? I think that holds true for most people who battle some sort of a demon. I mean, mine just came out with food and weight. And so so you started, um, at that point, you were leading meetings and you, whatever. Now it's, it's considered coaching. What was it like in the beginning? Tell me about that experience and what you see and how you help inspire and what things you tell your groups that really work and really resonate. I think that the best compliment that I ever get from a member is people tell me that I'm transparent. It is it is what it is. I don't hide anything. If it's been a tough week or a tough time, I share it. I actually still track um, all these years later, good, bad, and ugly. I can show a member if I'm 90 points over for the week or for the day and and prove to them that it's still possible to be successful. Again, I'm, I'm telling you, I really truly believe people are afraid to be successful because what happens when I figure this piece of my life out, what might go wrong next. So over the years, and again, I I recently moved from New Jersey to Florida. So I am just getting to know my Florida members over this last year, and I love them dearly. But I, I miss so many of my New Jersey members. They taught me so much, not just about being kinder and and more loving to other people, but certainly to myself. How could I stand at the front of a workshop and tell people or help people if I'm not doing the same for myself? One thing that I refuse to be working for WW is I refuse to be phony. You know, um, I, I need this to be real for, for everyone. And so if I cry in a workshop or someone else cries in a workshop, we're getting somewhere. We're peeling back some layers of that proverbial onion. And, um, and that's really important for people to see that it's cathartic and people can grow from that. And you said something that really resonated. And I want to go back to that. You said that a lot of people are afraid to lose the weight because they're wondering what's going to happen next. And another part of that is a lot of times they're just wrapping all their other issues into that weight loss. And they feel that if they lose the weight, it's going to solve all their problems. And 
deep down they know that it, it may not. So they're probably afraid to even accomplish that. So how do you inspire people and explain to them that losing the weight is going to make them healthier and make them feel better, but everything is not going to be instantly resolved and that, you know, it's more of like a chain of events and this could be the first step in making their lives better. So probably every week I tell someone that I'm sharing my favorite saying with them, but one of my most favorite sayings is life is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. And I think when we're constantly putting things on hold or pushing them off, we're wasting valuable time where we could really be loving our lives. And that's always been a strong message, a strong theme in in my particular workshops that even tends to come up if it's a food-related topic because we're still enjoying food. We still have to have food in our lives. But I, I think I'm just always listening for that, that fear or those, those specific words that people are telling themselves or saying out loud that are helping them excuse why they're not pushing forward. You know, we can help each other make a million excuses. How often are you surrounded by people who are going to help you come up with reasons to be successful instead? I think that's one of the most valuable things about being in these workshops is that still after all these years, we're encouraging each other to be the best that we can be, whatever that means for each person. But I have certainly met people who were afraid to date, who were afraid to go back to school or go to school, who were afraid to interview for jobs because of their weight. But we we shouldn't be afraid to be judged that way. Yeah. I mean, I I have seen so many people just come out of their shell around you and just, they talk about you like you're the queen of everything. They love you. You, I've, I've had book signings in New Jersey where you've brought a hundred members to the book signing. And I, I swear, I want you to sit at the table next to me and sign the books as well, because they, they think you're a goddess. No kidding. Um, and I've met so many people that have been so successful because of you. Do you have any favorite stories or anything you'd like to share about any of your fa- you know, favorite members who've succeeded? So I probably have a million favorite members, but I want to step back on that because one thing anybody who knows me will tell you this, I never take credit for someone else's success and I never will. Um, all I can do is give the best information that I have, much of it that I've learned working for WW all these years. Some of it is just my, my personal feelings on this whole process. But I have had members lose hundreds of pounds. And um, I used to give out butterflies. When a member would reach 100-pound weight loss, I used to give out butterflies. Butterflies are the most beautiful symbol of transformation. Um, we, don't, we don't really do things like that anymore. We try to be so inclusive that somebody wouldn't feel left out. What if that person lost 98 pounds and didn't get a butterfly? We never want someone's feelings to be hurt. But um, years ago, that was something special that I did because I want everyone to feel that metamorphosis, to feel like they are that butterfly coming out of their shell. Um, you actually know one of my, one of my, um, okay, dare I say favorite, I shouldn't say that, right? Cause we're never supposed to play favorites. It's like being a school teacher, <laughs> but you know, my friend, Cindy and, um, Cindy went to all of your book signings and she made goodie bags and did, did a lot. And she's also a, a really, really big hungry girl fan. And, um, when she walked into, to my group so many years ago, um, she was, she was really an angry person. And she tells the story about how she was um, sitting in a restaurant with a friend who had joined WW. And um, she told her she had a coupon if she wanted to come and try it out. And she said it was the coupon that got her in the door, (laughs) but it was the relationships she made that kept her there. 
and she still goes weekly. I think in all the years that she's been coming, she has never missed a week. Even if she's traveling, she'll go early or a different day. And um, she, she celebrates our anniversary every year. I moved to Florida last August, and when it was our anniversary this February, uh, FTD was at my door with um, traditional anniversary flowers from Cindy, and it meant so much. Oh, she's amazing. I know exactly who she is. She has tons of personality, and she's always smiling. It's hard to believe she was so angry at any point in her life. Well, if you see her without coffee, she won't be smiling. (laughs) So um, getting back to WW, there's something I want to ask you, and I'd love your honest opinion on this and how you deal with it, because we have a lot of people that get the Hungry Girl Daily emails and who are fans of Hungry Girl, but they're also members of WW. And whenever WW changes their plan, which happens, you know, every couple of years, they come to us and they say, I want to stay on the old plan. I don't like the new plan. What do I do? How do I adjust? How do I adapt? As a coach, um, how do you tell people and explain to them um, that the plans are, are changing and there's a reason they're changing and why they're good? WW spends a lot of time before any new information is rolled out and everything is based on whatever's current in science. How I explain it is if it's good enough for them to roll out, I'm following it. Uh, It sounds, again, very, very silly, but I say if they're pitching it, I'm catching it. Joining WW in 2002 saved my life. That is not a joke. And so whatever information they're putting out, I'm trusting that it's going to work. And they have never let me down. They have never let me down. And I tell members, look at me. I've had around 100 pounds off all these years. I'm following whatever's current. If I am not afraid, there is no reason why anyone else should be. I realize that people are afraid of change. But where are we without change? We're stuck in the same place we were before, and that's not always a good thing. Yeah, no, what you say is true. You and it's clear that you've you drink the sugar free Kool Aid. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> so the other day, you were telling me that you played some kind of a game or had an exercise with one of your groups where you had them write a love letter to their bodies or a body part. Can you explain yeah. what that is? And is that something people at home can try? I was going to ask if you had any little trips or tricks or exercises that people could try at home. This is something I think everybody should do, especially as we transition to a changing body through weight loss. It's not its not just about the number on the scale going down. It's about what our bodies look like post-weight loss or, again, during weight loss. I, um, I happen to love those meaty kinds of topics where we talk about body confidence. They're life-changing topics for a lot of people. And last year before I moved to Florida, this topic came up in a way that I felt that I had an opportunity to teach us to be a little kinder to ourselves. You know, when you lose a lot of weight, there's very often loose skin, there's stretch marks. Um, a lot of people complain about their arms and their legs and their midsection. I mean, speak to someone who's lost weight, male or female, and they'll tell you everything that's wrong instead of sharing with you all the things that they're so happy with. So I needed people to kind of take away a different message from this topic. And so I joke that if I suggest you do something at home, it's your homework. That's not a WW term. Um, but I think that if we just leave the information behind in the workshop, we're cheating ourselves, right? So my suggestion was to go home and write a love letter to your body. I was bombarded with love letters in my uh, Facebook private messenger via text, via email, people that brought me written and typed copies of them. And throughout the weeks that followed, I shared them anonymously unless the person asked me to read in the workshop they were attending. And I didn't have any person who actually wanted to read their own letter, but wanted the information shared. Some of the most powerful ones 
came from gentlemen in my groups, just really amazing about recognizing that we are nothing without, without having a body and a soul, you know, and they are, they're hand in hand. And if you're feeling really badly about who you are and how you look, what are you telling the rest of the world about your value? So there were a lot of tears over those next couple of weeks because I think I got letters for at least a month or maybe five or six weeks after that initial topic. And then people asked if we could do a book. Can you make that a book? And, you know, I reached out in a couple of different places and I got shot down, you know, the few places that I tried. But I'm telling you, it would make a great column for the Hungry Girl weekly email if people wanted to share things like this or something on our group Facebook page that I love so much. I love to participate in that. Um, it would be so beautiful if we could start a thread or something like this where people could read about stepping back and really paying attention to how wonderful their body is. I, I refer to, you know, my stretch marks and my scars. Of course, I have this with the amount of weight loss I had. Battle scars. I'm and a survivor. So did you find that people, instead of focusing on the things they didn't like, uh, um, appreciated parts of their body or things that their body did that were unrelated to anything physical? Like, what do you think really resonated? Why do you think that really works? A lot of it was, was things like arms came up a lot for everybody. And that's been an issue in my entire life. Well, what can your arms do for you besides, you know, you're complaining that you have, you know, the bat wings or whatever. Well, if you don't have arms, how are you ever going to hug someone? How are you going to hold a baby? What, what would you be limited from doing in your life if you didn't have those arms? People were able to develop a whole new appreciation for things that they were highly critical of. That's amazing. Yeah, I would love, I think you should turn it into a PDF and just share it and definitely send it to me because if there's anything that I think will resonate with the audience and there probably will be, I would be happy to share that. And it does sound like it would work in our Facebook community. Yeah, it's, it's definitely something worthwhile. Okay, now let's get back to food. I'm not going to say you're, you love food and I'm not even going to say I love food because I have to say what you said about saving that emotion for something that can love you back. I'm not saying my French fries can't love me back, but it makes a lot of sense. But w food is important and people really feel some kind of affection for food. And I know I do because I have foods that save me. They're foods that I have in my life every single day. They're always in my fridge. I eat them all the time. What are your go-tos? I'm, I'm pretty easy these days. I always have a tremendous amount of fresh fruit in my house, always, um, whole fruit, cut up fruit, whatever it is, it's got to be there for me. I like simple. I like um, tuna fish. It's easy. I always have shrimp in the freezer. You'll always find some kind of chicken breast or turkey breast or ground chicken or ground turkey here. Beans are in the cabinet. It has to be easy because at this stage of my life, I would rather be out enjoying Florida and all it has to offer instead of being in my kitchen. And what about uh, snacks? Do you snack still? I mean, other than fruit? I do. My, my favorite snack is actually Skinny Pop. Any flavor? The regular original Skinny Pop is my absolute favorite. I, I could eat that every single day. I always buy the 100-calorie packs of almonds. And then when I'm, I'm not being as good to myself as I could be, I have a really bizarre relationship with frosting in a can. <laughs> I have a niece that eats frosting out of the can by the spoonful with peanut butter. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> Okay. What is, throughout all of this, I know you're, you're so good at doling out weight loss advice all the time. Was there anything anyone told you during your journey that resonated, like one piece of advice that really stuck with you? Wow. Um, that makes me feel like I don't listen to other people because I can't think of anything. Um, I think probably my, my biggest advocate was my, my husband. If I go back and I think about this, um, this is, this is the thing that helped me 
I think, stay at goal. I had gone out for a walk and um, I, I was just feeling really amazing. And um, when I got home, my husband was waiting for me at our side door. I guess he was watching for me to walk down the street. And he had an old digital camera, the kind that you would put the big floppy disks in. <laughs> and he turned it around so I could see the image. And he said, who is this? And I looked at the picture and I said, that's me. And he said, I'm sorry. And I said, what are you sorry for? And he said, I'm sorry I didn't tell you. I said, do you have any idea how lucky you are that you didn't tell me? He never saw it. You're saying he never, this was after you lost the weight? That he had yeah, never... he never saw it. He never saw it. And, um, you know, we've known each other since we were little kids. We've, we've known each other forever. And he never saw it. And over the years, when people have seen my before pictures, they've said some really bizarre things to me about my husband. Things like, wow, he really loves you. He stayed with you when you looked like that. And I'm thinking, boy, that's a really unkind thing to say to someone. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> Do you still talk to those people? <laughs> <laughs> well, that typically happens in a meeting when people are, or in a workshop when people are so surprised that it's possible to have a good, healthy relationship even when you're overweight. The relationship that we tend to struggle with is the one we have with ourselves. That's where the real problem comes in. And then that impacts all the other relationships. So he's always been my biggest advocate. And I guess it's everything he says I carry with me, even I, though he was he was never overweight. He's a great guy. I was really happy, thrilled to meet him. I've met him a couple of times and you're actually both so lucky to have each other. Oh, we know that. Thank you. And is there anything else that you want to share or that you would like to add or you think we've covered it all? I, I just think people need to understand that when they quit any program, they're not really quitting a program. They're giving up on themselves. Everybody deserves to find something that works for them or even a program that can be modified to benefit them and how they want to live their lives. I think people try too often to restrict themselves and end up feeling like they're they're being punished for ever having been overweight. We are the most overweight country in the world. We still are. And we know so much. Why is it that we can't get through to ourselves? I think we need to be surrounded by people who believe in us, believe in our mission and support us. But ultimately, it has to come from that human being. They really have to believe that they're worth fighting for. My life is so different. If I hadn't walked in the doors of what was Weight Watchers back in 2002, I wouldn't be talking to you today. I wouldn't be talking to you today. Would I be talking to anyone? Where would I be? Where would it, when would it have stopped? Would it ever have stopped? Would I still be alive today to tell these stories? I, I don't even know. And I'm glad that I don't have to know. I'm glad that the route that I chose, the path that I followed is still the one I'm following today. I still believe in WW. I'm, I'm thrilled anytime I get to meet someone who is either new for the first time, very first time, or returning and giving it another chance. I just think we just need to be kinder people all the way around. It starts with being kinder to ourselves. Dana, you're amazing. And I would love for people to be able to connect with you who might not be able to go to your meetings. Do you have any sort of presence online or anywhere that people can connect with you? I did pick up Instagram this year. So um, I'm pretty easy to find the Dana Miller T-H-E-D-A-Y-N-A-M-I-L-L-E-R. Um, there were a lot of Dana Millers. I had to be the. So, um, you know, I share a lot of my experiences here in Florida, living um, the life I always dreamed of. And, of course, people can find me 
posting just about every day in the Hunger Girl Facebook group, which I love so much. Yeah, you're very active and your stuff is really funny. I mean, as far as like, you know, everything you say, you are a real deal. You are inspirational, but you're funny as well. And if it's not you writing it, you find funny stuff. So I do. My, my husband says I'm my biggest fan. I do think I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know you are. And, and I so appreciate you and this interview. And it, it got kind of heavy, but I have to tell you, there's a lot of great takeaway information here. So I appreciate you being so honest, so open and so real. Oh, thanks for having me, Lisa. I appreciate it. Dana is awesome. I hope you like that inspirational success story podcast. If you want to call and leave us a message or just text us, you can do so at 805-380-8075. You can check out our podcast page at hungry-girl.com slash foodcast. You can sign up for daily emails at hungry-girl.com slash subscribe or just go to the main page of our website. I highly recommend you do that. Um, Thanks for tuning in. If you feel like it, share this podcast with your friends. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week. I'm Lisa Lillian, also known as Hungry Girl. Till next time, chew the right thing.